10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming up, we'll recap Hall of Honor weekend that was... A great night Friday for the Letterman's Club Hall of Honor Banquet. Brad and I were both there. We'll talk about everything that happened during that great event as four new inductees went into the A-State Hall of Honor. Plenty going on in the world of A-State athletics. We'll let you know what happened with volleyball, golf, soccer, cross country. We'll start with football. And first time the Red Wolves have hosted the conference opener since 2016. Yeah. Long time since A-State has played the conference opener at home. They had also lost seven in a row to Southern Miss. Hadn't beat them since a win in Hattiesburg back in 1977. So we were hoping for a big night. We needed some things to happen that hadn't happened in a long time. And another thing that hadn't happened in a long time was a true freshman getting the start at quarterback at A-State. And that was the big question going into last week. Coach Jones wanted to keep it under wraps as long as he possibly could. The decision was made earlier in the week to start Jalen Rayner, but he didn't want anybody to really know until they took the field the other night. In fact, when we did the starting lineups on the video board... That's what board, I say. Peyton Burr does the uh, starting lineups. He runs the video board content. And he got in my ear when it started to play. He said, hey, by the way... And I didn't know it. He got in my ear as we're going through the pregame and the video starts to play. He goes, hey, by the way, this thing's a couple seconds longer because I got all three quarterbacks in it. I'm like, really? I said, yeah, I put all, all three. Uh, I met with Coach Jones Thursday morning. And I said, well, how do you want to do this? I said, you know, it plays 15, 20 minutes before kick. Do you want to go ahead and just say Jalen is going to start? And he said, I I really just kind of want to wait. And then we started thinking about it. I called Peyton and I said, we got a couple options, I think. We announce all three or we don't say a starting quarterback. And then, you know, we decided, hey, it might be a little fun to announce all three. And that's what we ended up doing. Which, from a fan standpoint... There's a lesson to be learned here that people just don't want to learn. You shouldn't put too much stock in a couple of things like depth charts and the starting lineups yeah. on the video board. And I don't mean at Arkansas State, I mean anywhere. It, it amazes me. We try how, to keep that really current, though. We, we yeah. actually do want to have the accurate it, starting I actually lineup. mean that more about the depth chart. It amazes me how hung up people get on depth charts. Oh, yeah. Because it's it, they are absolutely worthless that depth chart that is released with the notes on tuesday is basically who started last week and the only people goofier than the people who get hung up building their week around getting the depth chart are the coaches who won't put one out because it doesn't matter what you put on it it's not a binding legal document make names (laughs) up if you want to (laughs) for whatever reason such a big deal is made out of that document But, hey, Jalen Rayner started, and he was the first true freshman to start at quarterback since Elliott Jacobs back in 2001. And Elliott Jacobs had been the last freshman to start at quarterback since Josh Driscoll in 2001. Had two different freshmen starting quarterbacks that season. EJ was just the second of the two. It was a fun night, though, man. I I really enjoyed Saturday, and 
Southern Miss did come out and score on the opening drive, but I I love the way we answered right back. A seven-play drive ends with... Jalen Rayner finding Jeff Foreman for a touchdown. Twin receiver split left, Foreman to the right. Rucker will motion left to right. Rayner fakes the handoff. Going deep over the middle, looking for Foreman. Caught! Touchdown, Arkansas State! Jalen Rayner hits Jeff Foreman from 33 yards out. And then the defense, this is what we needed. We hadn't had a takeaway the first three games of the season. Southern Miss from their own 12. Wiles under pressure again has to get rid of it floats it up in the air and it's intercepted intercepted by Malik Straker and A-State has its first takeaway of the year on the interception by Straker it sets up first and goal from the eights. Nate Marty the defensive tackle who made his second straight start able to come in make contact with the Southern Miss quarterback kind of floated up in the air and Malik Straker able to get the pick sets up first and goal three plays later. Wallace stands to the right of the quarterback, Jalen Rayner. Now Jackson will motion right to left. Rayner throws to Jackson. Caught. Spins by a defender and he gets into the end zone for the score. Touchdown, Courtney Jackson and the Red Wolves take the lead for the first time tonight with 340 remaining in the opening quarter. And then I love the block punt. Reed Linder, a true freshman (laughs) on his birthday. Comes in and gets the block punt. Did you see the video of this after Reed blocked the punt? It deflected out of bounds, and it went right in the hands of Coach Jones. So he's got the football in one arm, and he's high-fiving Reed as he comes back to the sideline. I did notice a live speed. I saw that that Coach Jones was right there where that football went out of bounds. But, you know, it's, it's amazing. Quarterbacks get too much of the credit. They get too much of the blame. But in this case, it's really something. It's sort of the jolt of energy that Jalen Rayner kind of brings. And so now, all of a sudden, not just to the offense. Now he's out there, and the offense is making explosive plays, and the defense is getting takeaways, and special teams blocking punts. And it's like it's all connected. And it is, you know, obviously the phrase he likes to use, being Coach Jones, is complimentary football. But you saw it on display early and often in this game. He told me a couple of things last week that really stood out. He said, you know, everybody around the building just seems a little bit more confident this week. And he thought it had to do a lot with Jalen Rayner. The other thing is, this is a true freshman that his teammates kind of gravitate towards. And you're thinking, man, you don't see that very often, especially from a guy that young that was going into his first career start. I remember at some point, in the spring or after, when the guys got some time off after spring football or sometime, I remember Coach Jones telling me that, I, th- I think it was Eddie Smith, like sent him a text or a picture of one day he was in Miami at Jalen Waddell's house. Mm-hmm. And the next day he was in North Carolina at Jalen Rayner's house. That's right. And you're thinking, okay, well, Eddie Smith has kind of been there and done that. I mean, he's four or five years older than Jalen is. And for him to go not only work out with the freshman, but go to the freshman's hometown and work out with them there in North Carolina, I think kind of tells you a lot. So we get the block punt, and then Dominic Zavada hits a field goal to put us up 17-7. to Later in the first half, Dom hit another field goal, this time from 53 yards out, and I guess he's back. <laughs> three of three on the night for Zavada. 
And we say that jokingly because we know what Dominic Zavada is all about. And he definitely showed us last year as a freshman what he can do. But, you know, the Red Wolves are up 20-17 to 17 at the half. Great start to the second half. A-State scores on the first play from scrimmage. Rainer scoots right, throws deep left side. This is caught. Courtney Jackson across the 20 tight ropes, the sideline. 10-5, he's in. It's a 60-yard touchdown pass. Rainer to Jackson on the first play of the second half. Then they get it back, score again on the first rushing touchdown for Jalen Rainer. Jalen claps his hands for it, fakes the handoff, keeps it. Runs right, Jalen inside the five, diving for the end zone, he's in! Touchdown, Jalen Rayner! He made a couple of guys miss on that play and got in the end zone, so you're up 34-17 with just under 10 minutes left in the third, but it wasn't over. Southern Miss comes all the way back, they tie it up at 34 early in the fourth, and you couldn't help but think yeah. of what happened a year ago in Hattiesburg. You're absolutely right. The rest of us couldn't. I guess, hey, this is the upside of maybe playing all these young guys. They weren't at that game last year in Hattiesburg. They didn't care. The, the, the freshmen weren't, no. Those guys that were there certainly remembered. I had asked Malik Straker when he joined us at the Coaches Show on Wednesday night. Yep. He said it was something they had thought about a lot, but they really hadn't talked about. He said, I know it's on everybody's mind what happened last year because – They were up two scores in the fourth quarter and didn't hold on. And that was really the theme the whole offseason, and you heard it a lot. I mean, the Red Wolves led in eight of the 12 games in the fourth quarter last year and just weren't able to finish. So this is the first game this season that really came down to the fourth quarter. So you're wondering, how's it going to play out? They found a way. Got the ball back with under eight minutes to go. The Red Wolves go on an eight-play drive. Big play down the left side. The Jeff Foreman goes for 37 yards. That drive ends with a 21-yard field goal by Dominic Zavada. Puts us up 37-34 with under four minutes to go. Defense then forces a three and out. They punt. Two plays later, the most exciting play of the night. Ball the right hash here. A-State second and eight from their own 38. Raider fake the handoff, keeps it running left. He's across midfield. 40, 30, 20, 10. Jalen Raider to the house. 62 yards out. Coach Jones told me when we sat down to do the coaches show, and I I think he said this even before we started filming the TV show Sunday morning. He said, my favorite moment was when Jalen went up on the sidewalk behind the end zone and all the teammates went up on the sidewalk with him to celebrate. Kind of goes back to what you said. Everybody's kind of gravitating around this kid right now. And you can tell that it's brought a belief to everybody around him. Now, I'm going to throw in a splash of reality here. And I, what I, are you going to tell me is a true freshman? I'm going to remind you, <laughs> because I, and not you so much as maybe as everybody listening, is that he is a true freshman, and somewhere along the way, he's going to make a play like one. Sure. But you understand that kind of what he brings in a playmaking ability is worth the risk of knowing that every once in a while he's going to look like a true freshman. One thing that Coach Jones also said during the TV show was we did not simplify the playbook for Jalen Rayner. In fact, we put a lot on him. I mean, with everything they were doing, it was a very full playbook that they had in place for that game Saturday. And Jalen Rayner executed at a very high level. So, you know, we're up 44-34 after the Rayner touchdown. Southern Miss 
Comes back down. They score a field goal to cut it to seven. They try the onside. Eddie Smith recovers, and then the game's over. And I like the little kind of just those minute details of yeah you know, over to the southern miss sideline of will hall and just you know knowing it, to go out on second down and take those points and go ahead and give yourself time to set up the onside kick yeah it made sense yeah it did just little things like that because i wasn't thinking about that and i don't know that a lot of people sitting watching the game were thinking about that but your know, coaches think that way and i thought yeah it was the proper call you needed 10 points anyway so get those three and give yourself actually some time to get the other seven best win in the three seasons that coach jones has been here and i thought the crowd played a factor down the stretch a little over sixteen thousand six hundred in attendance most everybody stuck around to the very end and fun environment saturday yeah because immediately that was the takeaway right the funny thing is like there were some people you know internally some of our staff and different people kind of coming up to me and said, oh, best atmosphere, almost like good job. I was like, we did the same stuff mostly as two weeks ago when it all sucked. <laughs> it's amazing how what happens on the field affects everybody's attitude. But, but that's only part of it. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, even though it's largely true, we're always tweaking and trying to make things better. But the people make the difference. How many times have we sat here and talked about the way that stadium is built, mm-hmm. literally dug a hole in the ground and built a football stadium, that sound gets trapped in there, and it doesn't have to be full to be loud. And I miss out on that. Where I'm sitting in, in a booth, the same floor you're on, directing things, I've got a headset on and a zillion things happening, but I also get the same windows you've got that only open at the top. So it kind of took me into later Saturday night or Sunday as more video content was coming out to see video shot on the field of big plays and to hear the crowd then knows it, it kind of caught me off guard as to just how loud it how was loud. down on the field but it just makes me think again is of course what you had then it whatever it is 15 16,000 at the time plus you got to subtract how many of that number is in the club because they're not impacting the atmosphere but what you're down to is the people there at that point the people still there are wanting to make a difference and they did they flat out did. And I'm just telling you, like, if we had a stadium full of that, very, very few people would come in here and win. Saw some men's basketball players as yep. part of that student section the other night as well. And they started, so like, men's basketball has a, a tent in Tailgate City. Basically, they'd be the first tent the players come to in the Red Wolf Walk. And so the men's players are out right along Red Wolf Walk, out with their chest painted, even for that. And then you know, brought it into the stadium later, beside just on the other side of the DJ from the naked guys. So we had two sets of naked guys Saturday night. One set was just taller than the other. <laughs> A lot taller. <laughs> A State now two and two on the year. They're one and zero in Sun Belt Conference play. And by the way, Jalen Rayner, three hundred thirty total yards the other night, two thirty three through the year, ninety seven on the ground, and five total touchdowns. Three passing, two rushing, first A-State quarterback since Justice Hansen did that back in 2018. But great start to conference play in a really, really fun environment on Saturday. It was also a fun night on Friday at the Hall of Honor Banquet. We'll talk about that next on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. 
Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Brian Hodson, and I'm asking you to help our A-State student-athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our student-athletes by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our students athletes wolves up it was hall of honor weekend and one of my favorite events of the year was friday night the hall of honor banquet the letterman's club does a great job with that event and four inductees went into the hall of honor you know blake barber is the president and he kind of did the math on it i thought it, it was interesting kind of putting it in perspective there's now 180 former student athletes that are in the Hall of Honor. So you go back and you try to calculate it over time, how many actually get in to the Hall of Honor. And I think he said 0.06% of all athletes in the history of A-State athletics get that honor. So that kind of gives you a sense of perspective as far as how big of a deal it is. It is a big deal. It's a great event and good class this year. And I know we'll kind of go person by person. I think the next step there is for me, what I would love to see moving forward on that is even more of the letter winners from all the sports there for that. There's a good number and the club's full, but honestly, it shouldn't be hard to get that event to where the club level won't hold it. Yeah, we had a really, really nice crowd a couple of years ago when we had that class with Ryan Applin and Demario Davis and Todd Baumgartner and Sharika Nelvis, and we expected a great crowd for that. And club area was about as full as we've ever seen it. But I think my favorite part of the event is at the very beginning when we have everybody, all the former lettermen, stand up and introduce themselves and give their name and you know the sport they played and what years they were at Arkansas State. And that's actually something that was suggested by Coach Lacewell several years back, and we've continued that ever since. Yeah, and I, I forgot. Like We went on a few minutes and that passed, and I was sitting with Brian Boyer, and he reminded me, like, I should have stood up. I have a Letterman's Club plaque on the, on the wall in my office because – the guy when they recognized the that o four o five women's basketball team yeah that beat Arkansas on the WNIT that team got it so I should have stood up and you should have. My, I messed up there my bad it was neat to have that event and the four inductees that went in and I thought everybody got up there and and did a great job at the podium and their speeches Candon Powell the former first team All American in the weight throw thought he had a really good story and. Talked a lot about his throwing coach, Dave Roadley, who's a Hall of Honor member himself. Dave was at the table with Candon the other night. Brian McCann, the former A-State golfer, he was there from 94 to 97. And, you know, I always, as I'm getting ready for the intro speeches for this event, go back and talk to people, whether they be former teammates or coaches. I actually sat next to Jared Woodard during the event the other night, but but Jared is somebody I talked to earlier in the week, and he played with Brian McCann. And he sent me a screenshot of something I hadn't seen before. I, I, did, I don't know if you've seen it, but I mentioned it during the event. There was a, a tournament back in 
97 that A-State hosted at Ridgepoint, and Drake was one of the schools that played in it, and they had a player named Zach Johnson on it, who's gone on to win a couple of major championships since, and the captain of the Ryder Cup team this year for the U.S., but all five A-State players had better scores than Zach Johnson in that tournament at Ridgepoint, and that's just one of the stories yeah. that I didn't know going in. Well, McCann, and I don't know if they cross paths with them more often than not, because when he actually got up here for a speech, he said he beat Zach Johnson every time he played against him, so which would hopefully insinuate there was more than that one. More than one, yeah. Uh, and that's fine. I'm all for A-State guys beating whoever they're playing against, but uh, I don't want anybody beating Zach Johnson this week. It's Ryder Cup week. That's right. Yeah. Andrea Gamble who we had on the podcast last week, just really, really excited for her. I think she did a great job with her speech. It was great to see her. And it was great to see Brian Boyer. I know he was there at the event, and you were able to sit over there with him. And it meant a lot to him to be part of the event with Drea going in. Look, he loves this place. I mean, you really could make the case that the only place he had ever really gotten a full-time paycheck to be a coach was at Arkansas State. Counting those four years as an assistant and then the 20 as a head coach. I mean, he's just ingrained in this place. And now it's a you know, bonus to get him to come get him back to do the broadcast stuff he does. And he really enjoys that. So take any chance to get him back. But he wasn't going to miss you know, one of his players going into the Hall of Honor. And yeah, she did a great job. The fourth inductee, the final one that came up to the stage the other night was Reggie Arnold, the second all time leading rusher at A-State. You remember how close he was to breaking the all-time rushing record at A-State. He finished just 14 yards away from Richie Woit, who was at A-State from 1950 to 1953. But Reggie looks like he can still play. Yes. He does not look much different than what he did as a player. I thought it was interesting. His oldest daughter was there, and I guess she's a track star and he kind of campaigned a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he did a little... I asked Coach Patchell afterward, I, I said, did you go over and talk to Reggie and his daughter yet? And he said, well, we'll find her. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought it was really good. And I enjoyed going back uh, earlier in the week and gave me an excuse to call Coach Roberts and talk to him for a few minutes and talked with David Gunn, former running backs coach here. And he just talked about how how Reggie was just zero maintenance. I mean, you, you knew what you were getting every single day. He always came and worked hard. And then I talked to Corey Leonard. I didn't realize that it was by design that they were number one and number two. Corey said, I was going to be number 15 when I came to A-State. He said, because Reggie was number two, I went with number one. They played the same years, 2006 to yep. 2009, were their playing years. They had both redshirted in 05. That was by design. Corey was number one, and Reggie was number two. And it didn't hit me, and I, I didn't think about it going into the game the other night. And, and we knew Jalen was going to start. But I look back in the backfield, and about the second quarter, I realize it. And I brought it up during the broadcast. As soon as I realized it, we had number one at quarterback and number two at running back. And I'm sure it's the first time that's happened since Corey and Reggie. But number two, by the way, a kid from Arkansas. Yeah. So you had Jalen Rayner and Jaquez Cross. You've got that one two combination, quarterback and running back, once again, the same weekend that Reggie Arnold went into the Hall of Honor. So I thought that was pretty neat. But Corey said 
Reggie Arnold was the best player I ever played with, not because of his talent, but because of how he made everybody better and what he brought to the team on the field. And that's as good of a compliment as as you can give from a former teammate. And when you go back and think of those two players, you can't think of one without thinking of the other. No, they're, they're pretty well intertwined. I'd forgotten in listening to all that, kind of the, the thing that jumped out of me is I had looked at the career numbers, and so those didn't really surprise me. But when you think about that win at Texas A&M, you think about you know Rocco making a bunch of field goals and Corey throwing a go-ahead touchdown to Kevin Jones. We forget Reggie had 145 yards in that game. On 21 carries. He told a great story about halftime of that game. He said that, Coach Roberts came over to him at his locker at halftime and said, it's time to flip the switch. And uh, The best part of that story is he said, Coach Roberts came up to him with those big old <laughs> eyes, and that was, even Boyer was like, he just laughed, he said, because he was thinking about, you knew exactly what he was uh, talking about. Yeah, you could picture it <laughs> with those big old eyes, but Reggie flipped the switch, and that was a, a great speech, a great memory. It was a great way to end the night, too, because I had mentioned, as I was introducing him, the monster clap. We were hoping that Reggie would do it, and you know he got through the speech, and again, the speech was really good, but Jeff Purinton is sitting over at my table, and he says, hey, he's got to do the monster clap before he leaves, so Reggie's starting to walk off. I said, hey, Reggie, they want to see it. So he gets back to the mic, he kind of explains how he started doing it, and he had everybody in the crowd do the monster clap three times, and that's really how the event came to an end. And the other thing that cracked me up was that you know, <coughs> to see Reggie's dad there, Big Reg, and just what a character he was in Reggie's playing career. And As Reggie said, his dad played at Purdue. He was a college football player as well, and Reggie in his speech said, it just cracked me up because he said, you know, he'll tell people that's where I got the juice. And I cannot tell you how many times I heard that exact phrase <laughs> in Reggie Arnold's playing career from Big Reg saying, yeah, that's, I'm where the monster got the juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good to see the monster go in. He certainly was very deserving and uh Yeah, one of my favorite events uh, every single year with that Hall of Honor banquet. We're going to take another break, be back to wrap things up and tell you what else is going on in the world of A-State athletics right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. Volleyball team started conference play over the weekend. They were in Statesboro. 
taking on Georgia Southern. Tough draw because uh, they hadn't been home in three weekends anyway and then had to go to Statesboro to start conference play. And what you had was a matchup of a really young team taking on a really old team. And I had talked with Coach Gerwig earlier in the week, and you know, he was concerned just about that fact right there, that Georgia Southern was an old, experienced team. And he was very leery of going down there to start conference play and kind of talking with the staff after it, think, they do think that maybe there were some nerves involved on Friday night with all these young ones playing their first conference match, and they end up getting swept, but they bounced back rather nicely on Saturday. They did. One in four sets on Saturday to split the weekend series. And, you know, volleyball now 11 and three overall, one and one in conference play, and they'll be back home this weekend. First time since opening weekend that they've been at home. Yeah, so hopefully a big crowd. It's been a month, literally, since these guys played at home. And they're off to a great start. Friday night, they'll be home Saturday. And it's one of those ones he he talked about in here that they've got circled. So hopefully everybody will come out and welcome the volleyball team back home. He did mention that, yeah. I wonder if some of that got out to uh, the Cajuns, too. I'd I'd like to... (laughs) See how that goes over. Friday at 6, Saturday at 1, volleyball at home against the Raging Cajuns. Men's golf finished 14th out of 17 teams at the Bearcat Invitational in Cincinnati last week. Had a couple of rough rounds to begin things, but they actually finished strong in the final round. And hopefully we'll have a great showing this coming week. They'll host the Bubba Barnett Intercollegiate. That'll be Monday and Tuesday at Ridgepoint. Women's golf, as we record this, they're currently competing at the Golf Week Red Sky Classic in Vail, Colorado. Tough Lister draw Hearts, there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hate that for them. Soccer played a couple of games this past week. Scoreless draw against Texas State on Thursday. And then Sunday, they were on the road for the first time in conference play and ended up falling to Southern Miss 2-1. to one. I watched a, a lot of the Texas State match, and uh, there was a lot more action in it than you'd think a scoreless tie would have. And what was interesting is that Texas State sort of dominated the action in the first half and just couldn't score. And then we turned and did the exact same thing in the second half. I mean, it felt like it was down on our end an awful lot of the second half, and it couldn't get one in the back of the net. But uh, so it was an entertaining match. And then yeah, they went out and you know scored first against uh, Southern Miss, and then gave up a penalty kick to tie it and a goal early in the second half. And I w- I'm interested. I, I want to hear more about the way this match ended because unlike some of us in here, Mark Taylor's not really one that ever says much of anything about officiating but i noticed that even in the press release it kind of mentioned that that match sort of ended on a, a questionable call on something that should have been called a penalty and was not well we got cheated then if mark taylor said yeah, i'd it. say i'm going with that <laughs> soccer will try to bounce back they're going out to coastal they'll take on the shanta clears sunday at noon cross country was not in action this past week but they'll be at the Chili Pepper Festival in Fayetteville coming up on Friday. And then football, looking for a third straight win. They'll be in action Saturday as they travel to Amherst to take on UMass. Kickoff at 2.30. Our coverage on the network begins at 12.30. You can also see that game on ESPN+. Plus. UMass, a team that's 1-4. They lost in overtime this past weekend to New Mexico. But you know, it was a game that came down to the wire last year in Jonesboro. You remember, we stopped them on a two-point yep. conversion at the end of the ballgame to win it 
35 to 33. But, uh, man, it'd be something to go on the road and find a way to go over 500 for the first time this year. I think this is going to be a really a fun game right on par with the one we just saw. UMass, we got a chance to watch them a couple of times. They are much improved over a year ago. And I think now hopefully people would say the same thing about Arkansas State. I think it's essentially you're going to be viewed as a coin flip type situation. And Vegas thinks so. Yeah, and so what do you do? You win the what, – what are the two things? You win the explosive plays and – turnovers turnovers and my guess is the team that wins those is going to win this football game all right anything else we need to discuss here no like i said i if we didn't talk about the crowd and the atmosphere early i wanted to do it here but thank them because they create the atmosphere there are some things we can do to try to enhance it or try to ramp it up but yeah. really it all boils down to the, the people there wanting to make a, a difference and they absolutely positively did fun environment yeah it was and what i enjoyed like the ability at one point we talked last week about the times how the arkansas state red wolves chant was going to be scripted into the game and it happened on those times yeah but it happened probably two other times without it without any prompting and one of them in particular was you know late in the game and you know the we just kind of had the DJ doing something because it was a 30 second timeout. And I was able to kind of, I got communication with the DJ and I, and I could hear it starting. And I said, Hey, fade him out and let him go. And the band was a big part of that on the Arkansas state side of things. And then the press box, I was handling the red wolves, but that's the best when it's organic. And it was a couple of times and the crowd was awesome. And I hope they'll all bring two or three people with them for homecoming in a few weeks. As always, we appreciate you listening. Hopefully we've got, More good stuff to talk about next week on the next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.